0: Let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our lives and for all the tangible blessings that you provide for our lives, Lord, and uh, even holy water. Lord, I ask that you bless us, anoint us, just give us the beautiful spirit of prayer as we're praying and as we're sharing today, that it would be a real encouragement to the folks who are listening. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there you go, Carrie. I can honestly say in 15 plus years of doing this radio program, I've never prayed a prayer of thanksgiving for holy water. Huh. The drama that unfolded this morning at 6 o'clock. No, at 5.55. 5.55, I'm setting up for my live rosary on Facebook, and I reached for my triple exercised holy water my epiphany holy water which is here in a very unwieldy what do you call this like a sports
1: that would be a water i was gonna say a water cooler but that's not a water bottle yes
0: just like a water bottle right it's plastic it's those typical sort of sports water bottles and um uh, the cover was loose and so i reached for it quickly and i picked it up and it slipped out of my hand and it fell on my keyboard it jarred my coffee cup, which was full of coffee, and only the way a curran fills coffee cups. And it just splattered over all this stuff. And I quickly, I I, I sacrificed the computer and the coffee cup for the sake of the epiphany holy water.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say you got a straw and started sucking it up. <laughs> you quickly licked it all up.
0: I didn't go that far. <laughs> I, I actually how... wondered. I was wondering about, because I had this puddle of specially triply blessed, Epiphany holy water on my desktop thinking that will still short out the computer, even though it's triply blessed, and that will actually damage my thirty year old, thirty-five year old Bible. So I, I best clean it up. So now we have a really, really holy beach towel.
1: Yes. I, I'm thinking almost and this might be a little off cuff, you could add a little like dropperful to all the drinks you make for your guests. Like, here's a glass of wine, and it has a drop of my triple blessed epiphany water. It's almost like, oh, yeah, have you had Tom's special drinks with his. Kind
0: of like drinking the Kool Aid, right? When they have that phrase, drinking the Kool Aid. You're
1: just so funny about it. The interesting thing is, yesterday I was cleaning the island in the kitchen, and I saw your little jar with some scribble on there, like blessed water, and it's taped, and it's just kind of ugly, unsightly. And I thought, I should buy him a real nice. Uh, holy water dispenser, which I don't know if that's even a thing, but just something that's easy for you to access it. Because at this point, you have to unscrew that big lid and screw up. it. It just seems cumbersome. And then the next day, you spill it.
0: I spill it. It's, so I'm. I all of a sudden, I actually wondered, I said, did the Lord multiply some of that holy water back in there? Because it was higher than I remembered. But I'm like, if he's going to multiply the holy water... <laughs> I think he melted like he didn't like run out, <laughs> out like after two inches from the bottom. Like he could have filled it all the way. That really would have been an amazing sign. That didn't happen.
1: I'm thinking of some bad pranks right now, so it's not nice.
0: <laughs> that's not funny, dear. I know. Oh, that would be a riot. Well, my mom. I don't know where she got this devotional idea that you you would only need like she'd come. She'd have Fatima water, and a Lord's water. That's what it was, and she would just keep filling it and and her theory was there was at least some molecules of the original
1: so you who are a doctor water. in theology actually went with that in your own thought of how you can expand holy water which i thought was really interesting and where you got that idea but now it all makes sense
0: you got it from my mom a devotional <laughs> italian catholic yeah
1: <laughs> but the italians have some funny beliefs
0: though. devotionals uh, devotional no beliefs?
1: they have the um, What's it called? Like when the black cat crosses your path. Uh,
0: that's Italian?
1: Yes. There's some Italian ones. I thought it was. Maybe it was from Nicaragua.
0: Okay. I'm mixing up cultures. <laughs> I think that's your Italian side coming up, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my Irish. Your Irish side, yes. Oh, yes, that's the Irish gypsy. What is that? Tinkerers? tinker. Well, uh, today on the program, Carrie and I... um, just going to give you a bit of an update, just sort of like learning things around like, wow, I, this is how family life unfolds. This is sort of the messiness of family life. Um, you said, honey, you've got to come up here and see what the kids did upstairs. And this is the Mary Catherine effect. Mary Catherine is going to be heading to Steubenville, to Franciscan, in, um, well, three weeks, no, two weeks, two weeks from today. Um, she's going to be flying out with you. And uh, going through orientation. Well, I guess she needed to like anticipate Christmas. I cannot oh, believe what they did yeah. upstairs. They like took out all of the Christmas ornaments and decorations and turned our living room into like a Christmas beautifully decorated space. Where did they get that from?
1: Uh, Christmas in July. Uh, they've been doing that for years. There's something about the summer itch. Things get a little slow. School's not yet here. What should we do? There's some awesome decorations. Let's do Christmas in July. I don't know. They've been doing this. Why don't I remember this every Is year? This like,
0: have I like have I blocked out that memory or something? I
1: clearly remember it because guess who gets to pick it all up and organize everything back into the Christmas closets. That, that would, would be, be me. you. That, I don't <laughs> remember. Maybe I'm at work when all that stuff is I happening. I walked into the house and thought, are you kidding? When do you leave to college? Let's go, man.
0: <laughs> well, and I looked, I just smiled at it. And I'm like, oh, we're going to miss her. You know, who's really going to miss her are her siblings, um, the, especially the younger ones. Just She is just ready to like, move them out. And I think that's why we were happy to say it's time for you to move on out. Uh, to like plunge into a pond where you can be surrounded by Catholics um, where you will uh, hopefully, right, encounter what I talked about yesterday on the program. Carrie, I I mentioned to you in passing uh, my conversation with you on Sunday before you headed off to church and you were listening to a podcast, you actually inspired me to spend yesterday's program talking about what I talked about. And it's even overflowing into today. And the first one was about Jesus. And it's like, you know, there are a lot of Catholics who um, maybe have never really explored that idea of an act of complete surrender of one's life in a way that's very personal to Jesus Christ. And so I I had a chance to explore a number of those aspects um, of like, what does that actually mean and look like to give your life to Jesus? And how does that connect in with our Catholic faith? so it it was uh it was very enjoyable to to be able to do that. and and I'll be more cognizant of that, just about that idea of um being someone who consciously, intentionally, and on a, even a daily basis, makes that act of Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my day. Jesus, I give you this situation I'm facing. Jesus, I give you these hopes and dreams that I have, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's very interesting when you're in Christian circles that there's a clear use of the language. I don't know if this person is saved. I wonder if she is saved. I hope he is saved. It's this constant sense of, do they know the Lord? So much so, I was talking to my sister today, and she said that she was with some prosperity gospel women that she just loves hanging out with because they're just, their faith has a different kind of joy and spirit to it that just makes her laugh. And she goes, she introduces herself, hi, I'm, um, her name, and then she's like, and I'm Catholic, and I'm saved. (laughs) Like one right after the other. (laughs) So they kind of looked at her um, like both smiling and surprised because they don't run into a lot of quote-unquote spirit-filled Catholics. And the fact that she added that because they probably run into, most of their congregation, most of their church auditorium is filled with ex-Catholics, I would say.
0: Yeah, former Catholics who just fell away, stopped practicing, or um, maybe made an intentional decision to go there um, because of, oh, I don't know, maybe it was the music, maybe it was the preaching, maybe it was the fellowship, maybe it was a sense of the enthusiasm of the people that were there.
1: Well, how many Catholics do you know that have left the faith, and when you hear their story in the Protestant churches, they say, well, I was raised Catholic, but I didn't really know the Lord, and, you know, my parents fought, and we went to church, but I didn't know what that meant. I never opened my Bible, like, it's just sad. It's true, but right. it's so sad. Well, that they talk how- about like
0: a religion, not a relationship, right? So that's, yeah. that's the thing. And so then now they're focused more on that relationship. Or it's, uh, it's not religion, it's spirituality. It's a spiritual thing. And, um, and again, these aren't distinctions that we would embrace. We can understand them. The Catholic Church obviously has a richness here that um, was missed out on. But the sadness is there are a lot of folks who have missed out on that. yes. So, so Carrie, it's, uh, it, we're into August now. A week ago, we said that we were going to, uh, do daily mass. Now it's Tuesday and we're two days in, two days in, two days in. Well, Sunday counts too, I guess. Was Sunday was
1: an easy first day. Yeah. <laughs> you had to go. You got to go. It's so funny. Cause I'm really, pr- I mean, I have like eight things that I'm asking the Lord for or just bringing to him, like help me understand this situation or this area of my life better or, I need wisdom, I need um, encouragement, I need understanding, <laughs> the list goes on and on, and well, and that's one of the things, Lord, why do I always come to you with like a big long laundry list of all the stuff I need you to do for me, but um, be that as it may, the first day the Lord blessed me with the fact that it was the feast of Saint Alphonsus Liguori, and I didn't even know that until I was making our family calendar for the month of August and September, and I was putting all the major feast days down so we could know when they're coming to try to somewhat do something Catholic and faith-filled. And it was yesterday I realized it was his feast day, and I was so excited because he's the one that um, created that book, the visits to the Most Blessed Sacrament and the Blessed Virgin Mary, that you do these 30 days of praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament that I tried back in February. And so I was really excited, like, thank you, God. Like, this is something that I'm going to add to that time of prayer every day when we do Mass. The second thing is today— when we were at mass, which is
0: yesterday, because this is recording on Tuesday, right?
1: Yeah, um, I was bringing this little Magnificat book to mass and just praying through some of the prayers and asking the Lord to speak. <laughs> Cause I need something for the the day, some morsel. And as I was reading this little quote from Saint, is it Claude la Colombiere? Yeah, Claude de la Colombiere. Oh, that was so close. Is that Spanish?
0: It's um. It it's is French, uh, French.
1: French. Okay. In his little thing about how to become good trees, he says, I began to mend my life by frequenting Holy Communion after having tried every other way and failed. When I went rarely to Holy Communion, I had no end of bad habits and imperfections, which appeared to be, to me, insurmountable. Insurmountable, yeah. And I just got the smile on my face, like the Lord just kind of putting that in front of me. So you know, and it goes on, and he writes this really lovely reflection on going to daily Mass. And so just two little things the Lord's just gently kind of flirting with me, like, come on, keep it up. I'm here. I'm seeing you. I'm watching you. I know how hard it is for you to make this, or I go grumbling sometimes. Um, but I have faith, and I know God is calling me to it, and I'm excited to see what is at the end.
0: Well, and what I'm— Several things just sort of flashed out at me in the two days, the Monday, Tuesday that we went. The first was,
1: That's <laughs> two days. I know. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> like, wow. It we're pathetic. on a roll, honey. We're on a roll.
1: <laughs> and it's not like we weren't doing regular mass when we were back in Seattle, even last year. But for some reason, I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know what it is, but there's just this resistance I have. I think part of it is my phone, like distractions with the, being on the phone, that it's pulling me. It's sapping energy from me that I used to have. And, I, and I've and i asked God to really help me be clear and come clean about my usage of technology. But anyhow.
0: No, that's good. I I mean, for me, it's, it's always, again, you don't have to go any further than St. Bonaventure. Distraction, dispersion, diversion. It's one of those things. For me, I think the biggest enemy is dispersion. I just have so many things I'm doing. It's so easy to crowd out going to mass. And it's like, all of a sudden, if I, this is one of the things I learned was like, What's really that important? What's really the most important? Really, really, what is more important than you, getting to mass, worshiping and thanking God, receiving Holy Communion and praying for your family, and and, and fulfill my mission in a godly way? I right? don't know all There's of those things. Nothing. It's just it's so obvious when you just put it that simply. But then it's like okay, translate the obvious into the ordinary, and it's like okay. So when are we going to do this on Monday? Okay, so we're going to go in the afternoon. There's an afternoon mass that works. I can do that. I got to protect the time. Today was a trickier one because it was a floating target. And it was like, ah, oh, this will be hard for me to go in the morning. It's not convenient. Oh, you know what? I'll go at noon. And I'm like, oh, I know that. I know that voice. That's the tempter. It's going to trip me up. I'm going to put first things first. I'm gonna sacrifice what I would say is my best time early in the morning, I'll be able to get a lot of work done and I just spent that time on the rosary, I shouldn't have to now go to mass too. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna make sure that among all the things that I get done today, I am going to mass. So it's that level of sort of like rock solid commitment where if you really say and believe this, then you have to find a way to make sure you do it. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnam with my wife, Carrie, and we're just talking about this amazing consistency, honey, going to Mass three days in a row. And the first of those days was Sunday. Okay, so I just talked about this idea of first things first and really being committed. Um, So you were going to say something.
1: Um,
0: Accountability to you?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's neat to do it with someone. I was trying to do a couple of different things by myself, and you're so committed and... I just feel your strength. Now, sometimes it might be a little bit of a burden or it might be annoying. But I think in the long run, it's going to be the goal is if we're trying to get to the goal, I need you (laughs) to be with me. And I mean, vice versa. I think you also find great encouragement when we go together. And then when we bring our kids along, we've asked them to go twice more than they usually go. So apart from Sunday. We're in Friday, we're just encouraging them to pick two other days.
0: So one of the things that showed up, Carrie, in in this is that um, I counted how many people are at mass both days, because there weren't were that many. Because you so caught up in prayer. I was so caught up in prayer. Well, who was I <laughs> going to pray for, right? Um, and the first day, I was younger than everybody, with the exception of our family, the kids that our kids that were there, and um, and maybe like two other people, and there were like ten people there. And then this morning. They were like four people younger than me out of the twenty-five that were there, and that was just super sad, right? That these two big parishes that we happen to be at um, had so few people there, and they were all older people. It's a real crisis. That is, it's it's just it's really. It's been devastating. going on for a
1: while. I don't know. I mean, I haven't really thought through how this you. This is
0: one of those things. Where I, what I want to say is this: is that like, is anybody noticing this? Is anybody paying attention to this? They it's have the to. summer. Like, where are the families? Where are the kids? Why don't moms that are at home or dads that are at home, you have a little bit more flexibility in the summer. Why isn't going to mass a priority, all right? Now I'm saying that, and we didn't have all of our kids there. Um, but then there was another sad thing that happened.
1: But, Tom, we also haven't been going every day. Or, right. So it's not like we have anything to say, why aren't they being like us? It's kind of just the state of the church is very sad.
0: I Sorry, I'll say this out loud. I wasn't saying, why aren't people being like us? But rather, why aren't we all being challenged and encouraged in the summer if you have more availability? Put first things first. Exactly. Put the Lord first. Go to Mass. You'll actually be blessed by that. You'll be blessed by coming to daily Mass, right?
1: I think, and I think part of it is also incorporating, well, and I can extend this, but I'm praying, like I'm going to receive Jesus, but I'm also, it's a prayer half hour. It's a time of prayer of talking with and speaking to and being spoken to. So I know the mass, (laughs) okay, I might get like theologically all messed up here, but I know that I'm going to receive Christ in the Eucharist and my faith in that is not as strong as it could be and I want it to be. However, I also find that I find great encouragement as I pray through the mass and I'm praying through some of the scriptures that are coming to my heart and reading through some of the reflections that I feel God giving me His word and encouraging me. But I want to extend that to be a time of really seeking Him for healing, for gratitude, for a sense of adoration. There's I don't know, I don't think I don't think when you frame it like go to mass, it doesn't give the fullness of what one can encounter in that time, but then, it's a lot of effort to encounter him in a full way versus just staying there and being wrote and saying all the prayers. And so this actually,
0: that's actually a beautiful bridge into another point. Like, um, if going to mass was markedly divergent from different from things that are happening outside the doors of the church, um like things that are happening outside the doors of the church are just ordinary daily life stuff but that if like for instance if, in order to get in if you needed to know a secret password and secret handshakes and you had to dress a certain way and there were like rituals of entry like if there was something markedly mysterious different foreign um and and heightened like I'm just trying to use like cutesy examples, but I think if you get what I'm saying, if you go to mass and it's just like casual. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. If if there's just a casual sense (laughs) of why is this this different than what's happening out the doors, right? And and I'm not saying it has to be enthusiastic. In fact, what I'm looking for is reverence, mystery, the supernatural, the dimension of there's something important here. There's something inaccessible. That's the word. You see, mystery is inaccessible. And the Lord has made himself accessible by becoming man. And through his creation, we can glimpse his glory. We get a sense of his presence. But when you go to mass, if you had this sense of you need to be ready, because there is a mystery that is inaccessible to you that is going to draw close. That if that was tangible, I really believe it would be more magnetic. And I think, in fact, that's what we've found when we go to the traditional Latin Mass. There's an inaccessibility. There is a ritual quality that is foreign to normal life. That makes you stop and say, what's going on? Where am I? And what do I need to do to conform my life to the ritual action that I've been privileged to access? Make sense?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I feel like, or I think when we go to mass down at the bottom of the hill or wherever, I'm trying to bring that mystery to a reality through just my own prayer and reflection on the saints' writings and on the scriptures. Like, Lord, I know you're here. I know there's an amazing thing happening. There's not, even though there's not a lot of people there, and it doesn't have this big fanfare of this is an amazing event. In faith, I believe. But for my own spiritual edification, I am seeking him throughout that that those minutes to find him. I am, I feel like I'm going through the house trying to find the lost coin. I hunger for more i desire more my soul aches for the greatness and the bigness of god and and also the intimacy and the the finite the, the the very precise word of god to my heart and the intimacy of he knows me and sees me and that's i mean that takes effort that takes work that takes um, i don't know maybe that's why i kind of am going grumbling and like oh i do this is silly or not i don't think it's silly i just think God is calling me to die to myself, and I just don't want to. <laughs> I just put, well, there's always that, dear. I just like, refer, right. I just I, like putting them out at arm's length, to like, go away. Do I really have to, you know, these sins or these struggles I have and that I continually struggle with, do I continually have to, you know, face them? And I know God is like, the the Lord is like, don't you want to do this with me? Like, I, I have so much grace in in. Mercy. Beauty, mercy, love yeah. to pour on you. Why are you being so stingy and bratty and turning around and I don't know. It's just he has to work on
0: my heart. Well, the so. world of flesh and the devil. So I, so Carrie, I, and we can take this. I want to like advance this a little bit more. One of the ways that that sense of accessibility and casualness shows up is in the um, dialogical and priest personality dimension. Of the new mass, the mass in English that we're that we grew up with and we're comfortable and, and accustomed to, there's there's the word comfortable with. You can come in, you can take a seat in the pew, and you're very comfortable.
1: It's almost too rote.
0: It, like I yeah, find the it... repetition right. That's well. I wrote my book on the mass, and it was because people find mass boring, right? But I want to just bring up the one point that the personality of the priest takes a more central role in the new mass in the Novus Ordo mass as compared to the traditional Latin mass, where literally the priest's personality is dissolved. Right? It's it's it doesn't matter who is celebrating, who's presiding at Mass, because they are they lose themselves in the ritual. And so you will, you let the ritual speak. And unfortunately, like when you have that face-to-face look the priest in the eyes and the priest is interacting with you. You sense the level of the priest's engagement at a human level, the personality of the priest. and even at, at another level the radiant the radiance or, or lack thereof of holiness of the priest. I'm not sure that, that they're always aware of that, that um, you know you can sense are they anointed? are they like are they in to what they're doing? And, um, and I, I, I had a sad moment. I just want to share it. I won't make a big deal of it. But the sad moment was that when we went to mass yesterday, um, we, uh, brought our son, John Marks said, I'll come and, um, and you know, 15 and he wanted to go to confession before mass. didn't have time. And, and he was like, uh, so he didn't go to communion and what a powerful thing. Like, a lot of kids today, who doesn't go to communion because of a sense of, I'm in a state of sin, I'm not in a state of grace, so I shouldn't go. And he wasn't even clear about, like, am I in mortal sin? But there was enough in him to say, I'll just make an act of spiritual communion. And I, I received communion for him. Um, uh, but I, I felt like, as I was going up to communion, I'm like, I bet his spiritual communion is bearing more fruit in his soul than many of us receiving Holy Communion because of the like the longing he had to receive Holy Communion and this desire to say, Lord, I'm, I'm held back and I'm sorry, but I long to be able to receive you in Communion. And so after Mass, after we did our prayer afterwards, he said, uh, can I ask the priest to go to confession? And I said, absolutely, go right ahead. So this is not a priest that is at our parish, and this wasn't at the traditional Latin Mass parish, and so he, the priest was gathering a few things off the altar. He walked up to the priest, introduced himself, and said, "Father, can I go to confession?" And this sad moment to me was this priest kind of got caught off guard a little bit and was like, uh, um, "I've got to go. I, I've got to go to a meeting," and and he left. And I'm like, I can't imagine, like one of our priests at Saint Joan of Arc, like saying. I'm sorry, I, I can't hear your confession. You've come up to me, you held back from going to communion and you want to go to confession right now? Let's go. Just that idea of like, how holy is the work of reconciling a soul to God? How sacred is the priestly ministry of reconciling a soul to God? And here's this priest looking a 15 year old young man in the eyes after mass saying, can I please go to confession to you? And it's going to take you five minutes, Father. It's only going to take you seven minutes. At most, it's going to take you 10 minutes. I don't care how busy, how crowded your schedule is, how whatever. But if you've got a 15-year-old young man at that Mass, a daily Mass, and he didn't go to communion, and you knew that, and after Mass he says, can I go to confession? You darn well hear his confession in Jesus' holy name. (laughs) Am I triggered? Was that...
1: Yes, you're triggered. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Poor Tom. It was such a sadness. I could fill in a few other words besides a, that whole scenario with other things, so that's funny. You know, uh, the quote I was reading earlier, he says, My daily Mass and communion is my only hope and resource. Jesus Christ will counsel me and give me new strength. He will instruct, console, and encourage me and give me all the graces for which I pray. So I'm going in with, I'm leaning in on that. We'll see. Nice. I mean, I shouldn't say we'll see. Of course.
0: <laughs> well, and I, um, I I can see how we have really had to make this like mapped out. Like tomorrow we know what time we're going and where, right? So, I don't
1: think it has to be this hard time. I, I just think for now, as you as you start a new habit or as you start a new routine, it before it's built into us, it's going to take a while. But like we pray the rosary every night, it's just part of our family routine. So I think eventually this will be part of what we're called to. I it, It's just, I don't know. It'll work. It's going to work. It's just I hope so. Because I'm, I'm
0: tired of it just letting it be crowded out of my mind. I know. And I'm tired of letting it be crowded out of my schedule. And I'm tired of saying that I have an excuse to say it without some serious effort, like just with the, not even serious effort, just like with the, a, a a nominal amount of effort, I could reorganize my schedule to get to mass pretty much every day, if not every day. Yeah. So, um, and, and we'll see what good it does.
1: I think I'm tired of the apathy and the, like the not engaged sense of spirituality, like the lack of joy, the lack of searching for him, the adventure that, that, union of love. I'm kind of, not do I just miss it, but I'm just saddened that that is not central and and front and center in my heart right now. So I'm tired of that more.
0: And I think there's like, we don't realize just how much is at stake in these things, right? So as you know, I I was praying the rosary quite a bit um, from the, like uh, in November through to the early part of the year. And then I, I, up until like May, and then I paused for a couple of months and then I started up again. Well, one of the women I would pray with, she'd come on so faithfully every day. It was named Rebecca, and she had cancer. And I might have told you about her because I ended up setting up a meeting over Zoom. She's down in Texas. And over Zoom, I prayed with her um, for that sense of the Lord's presence and peace, the healer, Jesus, to be with her as she was in, um, in hospice and how she was really trying to bring faith to her husband and daughter who were just distraught and she didn't feel like she had permission to leave. So I came back onto these rosaries again about a week and a half ago and I didn't see her. And I went to her page and she had died. Hmm. She had died uh, in June. And so about a month after I stopped praying, she ended up dying and I missed it. I missed like being with her in prayer over those, final few weeks. And I'm like, wow, what a sadness. So I, I've been praying for her if she's in purgatory. So you don't always know. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So how was that for a light ending of the (laughs) comment? But you know, Rebecca, she's in, I really do believe she's in heaven. She has such rich Catholic faith and a devotion to the Blessed Mother. Um, and this is God's universal will to save, that she's won the victory and, and continue to pray for her and ask her to pray with us from heaven. You know, what a beautiful thought. Uh, but something kind of neat also happened um, on the rosary on Saturday. Uh, when I prayed the rosary live on Saturday, some, sometimes more folks can join on the weekend because they're not working and their schedule's different and all that. Well, your old college roommate from Franciscan sent me a message uh, during my rosary. And um, so I quickly just connected with her afterwards and and, uh, mentioned that Mary Catherine was going to Franciscan. And then she said, I'm going to be there at orientation. And then you had a chance to talk to her. And I just thought that was a beautiful little like God's providence, like the hand of God just sort of saying, I'm paving the way.
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting her to be there because her kids have all been in college or graduated, although she has a senior there, which I didn't know. And she's going to help her sister move there, her niece in. Is it her, her nephew? Nephew. So also she's also a freshman. she's c- coming up from Tennessee, and her sister's flying out from California. And it was just so good to talk with her. It's been a few years, and we were just laughing. And I said to her, Maria, did I always ask you a lot of questions? Because as she's talking to me, I'm asking all these questions about Franciscan and orientation and freshmen and— you know, getting our daughter a job and this and that. And she's like, yes. You would always ask a ton of questions.
0: <laughs> Why didn't I talk to her before we got I t- married?
1: <laughs> I just started laughing. And then I'm trying to remember how we used to be together as 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. And she was so direct and so, okay, you got to do this. Then you pick sort up of this. matter of fact. Oldest child. Like oh. she just told me everything to do and how to do it and when to do it. And I said, "Maria, did you like take care of me in college? Yes. I had to like help you with (laughs) it. I'm like, I'm just starting to feel like a little kid or something. Like, how did I not remember this dynamic? Now I didn't know I was a questioner in college, but I was always curious about things. And I didn't know that she was so in charge of us and all that we did and what we were about. I always thought that I was in charge. Like I was always the one like, Hey, let's go do this. Let's go do that. But I think she always, like I had the idea and then she made the plan. Like she followed up with all the details, but I just had the good idea. (laughs) She did all the work. I don't know, but it was really funny. So we're just excited. I I
0: just see that as like, again, the, um, the way that the Lord's saying, I got you, you know, I've got you covered, right? Like This is our first kid that we're actually dropping off at a college, right? We've had some, like, big deal drop-offs and entrustments before, but never for college. I feel like I'm
1: going back to, like, instead of a high school reunion, a college reunion. Because she mentioned, like, 10 other people that we went to college with that are going to be there dropping off their kids and it's like oh i guess i got to go get my hair done got to definitely stay on that keto <laughs> got to work out get it run in
0: going to get it run like, oh, in
1: oh my goodness it's going to be fun i'm actually more excited to see her than actually drop mary catherine off and and mm-hmm. to see the campus and to see how it's changed and to just um, be there at franciscan and be a part of the the faith community there it's so vibrant and it's not just the the school it's all the the ministries that have come from there all the couples I think there's like five active couples that we know that are in full-time ministry that are nationwide or international from that spot. So it'd be neat if I'm able to hook up with them. I'm actually staying at the Hernans, um, for a couple of nights. Um, they were on a show a couple of times, but, um, it's just going to be a really blessed time. So praise God.
0: You know, I think that, um, it, when, uh, when it came around to, uh, like your college experience, um, I know one of the things that Franciscan became really famous for were, um, conferences, the conferences that happened around the country and, uh, concerts, right. Cause so many folks would want to play there. Like Matt Maher, I think probably came through Steubenville more than once. Um, and I, I have all these wonderful warm memories of my time up in, um, St. Marie in Manchester. um, And I I have this distinct memory of us talking with uh, Rich Mullins. Do you remember? Uh, We were actually in D.C., and um, uh, Rich Mullins had come up to St. Marie, uh, and this was. But he wasn't Catholic at the time, and he was uh, he was a Christian musician who just was really incredible uh, as a songwriter. His songs were very like. I'm kind of like ballads, like right, Telling stories and such beautiful insight.
1: Wasn't his content more like a retreat? You go, it was like a prayer. It was experience. very much like a moment of ministry, yeah, of
0: praise of worship of God. Testimony. And, and he would give testimony yeah. and, and teach and preach. And, um, and I remember when we hosted his conference at our parish beforehand, he um, came into the rectory and we had this beautiful prayer service there with him, just a time of prayer. It was like a just a small group of folks, and it was really beautiful. Um, and then when we went down to DC, I went. F- you know, we both ending up studying there. And I think well, were we were we dating at the time or married? Um, in any case, we went to the concert, and then afterwards we went down the front to say hi. And um, and did they invite us in the back or something like that? I don't remember. We were visiting with him, and he was like, uh, "You said you were from Steubenville," and I said, I, "And he remembered me from Saint Marie's." And he said, "Those were the two most powerful con- concerts I've ever done." Wow. The two most powerful and memorable conferences, uh, concerts I've ever done. One was at Steubenville, with all those Catholic kids all fired up for Jesus, and that concert up at Saint Marie's, that just was like eye-opening for him.
1: I can't believe you remember this.
0: Yeah, it was, well, and what was striking about it was that he ended up becoming Catholic. And um, and you remember the tragedy was that two days before he was gonna be formally welcomed into the church and receive Holy Communion for the first time, he died in a car accident um, outside of Chicago. And that was so sad to me um, that that happened. Um, But um, I remember it was like a punch in the stomach when I found out that he died. That was really sad. Yeah, but his it just—I don't know if we always realize that, like, the radiance of being Catholic actually washes over people. Like, as much as we talked in the first part of the program about when, when, when the faith is dull, when the faith is like dead, when it's not really like a vibrant faith. People walk away. They float away. It's it's too easy, casual, comfortable, accessible. But a radiant faith is so magnetic. A radiant faith and the faith of a community is so very powerful. And I don't know if we always appreciate that either. Like the glory of going to a holy mass or to gather together with like believers, with Catholics who... Like I think of the gift of the gift conferences we did, right? How just powerful they were, sources of healing and evangelization and coming alive in faith and going deeper in faith and celebrating our faith. Um, I just I have so many memories of the power of conferences that bring together people's faith and how it it, it it's radiant. It's it's uh, it, it's uh, catchy, right? It just spreads. I don't know if you have any memories of any particular conference that like had a, an impact like that on you or a concert.
1: No, none. Just nothing. Well, I'm <laughs> just joking. You're teasing.
0: Well, I, I think of like Sorry. The, the Steubenville conference and the impact it had on Mary Grace and, and how your sister Martha said, yes. you know, she was weeping as she was in adoration and, and that's not our daughter. She's not someone to be really emotional.
1: Yeah. But it really broke through her. Um, There's something about when you do a huge gathering of Catholics in a gym, uh, not a gymnasium, but more like
0: a conference conference center center, or or an
1: auditorium or a field and you have thousands or hundreds or, you know, there's a way in which there's so many Catholics that you can get huge numbers. Like even watching the the rosary priest, we were watching his story. yeah.
0: Was yeah, that, that was amazing, Father Patrick Payton.
1: Yes, and seeing millions of Catholics gathering and praying and loving the Lord and just this sense of God's holiness and grace. Um, you get that sometimes at big mass uh, masses, big gatherings, and there is a sense of pride I have or joy or a, a taste of heaven and just the holiness and the beauty of those gatherings. It's been a while.
0: Since we've well, had I think that. You get to glimpse some of that, even honestly, just on such a like an ordinary basis when we go to St. Joan of Arc. Just yeah. seeing like again the inaccessibility, the the way that our lives have to conform when we walk into that mass, and it's holy. Especially the high masses where there's the singing.
1: It for sure. I mean, there are some beautiful moments in those celebrations that are just like, Wow, my breath is I, I get my breath taken away. It's kind of like like going to daily mass, it's kind of like this mundane showing up to the gym, doing the hard work, no one sees you, it's cold, it's dark, it's, you know, you gotta get up. Putting in the work. Get the alarm going. <laughs> yeah. And the big pageantry masses or the grand gatherings of conferences is like the wedding day or you get to this big anniversary or you get to the graduation.
0: You know, I never thought of it like that, but I see how that makes, uh, that's an interesting analogy. All right, back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So, uh, Carrie, you just mentioned something about um, sort of going to the spiritual gym to put in the work so that you bring a vibrant, expectant, lively faith to Mass, right? Because it, it, that's something that we contribute. Uh, I, I, have. It's so easy for me to sense that when I would go give talks at different parishes that This might sound odd, but the anointing that would rest on me was intimately connected to the faith of the community that I was speaking to.
1: That's probably why Rich Mullins had such a powerful concert at St. Marie's and Franciscan University, is the faith of those communities are so powerful.
0: Yeah, they weren't just there to be entertained. They were there to enter into worship.
1: That's why I am not doing well at Mass. I'm going to get something from the Lord. Well, actually, I'm getting him. (laughs) But there is an element of what What can I get? What can I receive? Versus, Lord, how can I move you? How can I be here to adore you? How can I be here to give you just total gratitude now? I'm here, and it's just a heart posture that is entirely other-centered.
0: Well, I, you'll have a chance tonight, dear. <laughs> you walked right into that I, one. I, well,
1: I tell you, when I, I, think
0: about the I actually gym, am
1: excited about what the Lord is going to show us. I just know that when faith develops through these decisions when you devote yourself through just pure obedience, and you say, God, I need this faith, and I know I don't have it, and it's a gift, the Lord meets us. I mean, I know in the darkness of my faith, and I can say I can be in darkness, that he is is pulling me, tugging me, calling me, wooing me. So I do know he's going to meet me, but it's just a crummy place to be. I don't like to be here, but it's, he's probably here more than I even realized. And
0: you mean in your existential condition? Yeah. Yeah. You don't mean here, Spokane, um, or here adoration. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, again, it's a great revealer, right? It's a revealer of the way the flesh still is like, it has a foothold in our lives or a stronghold.
1: Yeah. But his grace will grow and his spirit will come. I th- Amen. It's without a doubt.
0: So, uh, another question. Um, so when I think about my life, of faith and how it awoke when I was, um, 18. Um, one of the things that emerged in me was devotional, a devotional spirit, a strong sense of like, um, and the affective side of me was engaged in like expressing my love for God. And so one of those devotions was like praying the rosary. So, um, a question is there a devotion is there a devotional way of praying that you enjoy? And I have a long answer here, um, and but I want you to uh, answer as well. You can think about it. Is there, a, is there a devotional way of praying that you really enjoy?
1: And how would you describe devotion? Did you just describe it?
0: Um, So I gave an example of a devotion, but I want to just say, is there a way of praying? Just praying. Okay. Is there a way of prayer, a way of praying that you really find life in, that it brings you alive spiritually?
1: Okay. Let me give my answer. And then I know your answer is just going to blow my answer away. (laughs) This is how it goes. I love scripture. I love pondering a word, like a phrase in scripture and just sitting there with the Lord and having him break that truth. His word is true. It doesn't, it's alive and having him break through that truth into little areas of my life as a mom, as a wife, as a daughter, as a servant, as a slave. Um, so I like, uh, I am the good shepherd. I, my sheep hear my voice or so they know my voice I'm trying to remember what it was. <laughs> I was reading the other day and just pondering. Um, John 10. Or I love, I think I shared with you, the path is wide and many are those who follow it. But the the path that leads, the narrow road is constricted and fewer who, them who find it. And so just sitting there and reflecting on constricted I don't like to be constricted I don't like to be held back I don't like to be confined I don't like to be penned in <laughs> but when you talk about following God and you're a slave and you really like get to the root of denying yourself and pick up a cross it's like it's constricted so just praying through what does that mean why do I not like that Lord what are you trying to say so I think it's taking his word and just meditating upon it and my own faith walk and seeing how he speaks
0: truth the other
1: way Can you guess the other way I love to pray?
0: Yeah, I've got it written down. My way? Praise and worship.
1: Yes, I love it. I was like, aren't you going to say praise and worship? (laughs) I just love some beautiful praise and worship songs. And I love to get a new one, like a song that you've just been like someone spoke to you or shared with you. And I've like the Highlands was a huge one this summer. Move Your Heart was one, 10,000 Reasons. I love the song Have It All by Bethel from the Inside Out, Hillsong. Grace to Grace, song. I mean, I, there are some just beautiful praise and worship songs where it just takes me, like, I could go on a run, and I could listen to secular music that's, you know, fun and hip-hop and moves my tempo, but then when I get caught up in some of these worship songs, I just forget I'm running, and I'm just, like, singing to God and it's just so like it takes me out of myself and out of this world
0: that's a that is a very beautiful and apt way of saying it that praise and worship literally lifts you up and out of yourself it takes your eyes your focus your attention off yourself and onto the lord that's the gift that praise and worship brings and the funny thing is is that the lord dwells in the midst of his praises the glory of God is made visible in praise the more that we take our eyes off ourselves and point them to him the more he invades yes that's so so, that's so good Tom I love how you said that well it's it's a beautiful means of encounter and it's like the funny thing is is that when I use the word devotion like what devotion do I enjoy doing the most Um, if I said well enjoy at a satisfying level like the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and I, I actually in my own discernment for leaving the seminary, one of the factors, it wasn't like a main factor, but it was like a secondary factor in my discernment to say I'm not called to be a priest, is that I had this like almost an aversion to expansive liturgical ceremonies. Like when I would go to the in the seminary, we were always like mass every day and then we'd have big liturgies long liturgies
1: long like an hour and a half
0: yeah yeah or, or just like um not efficient like, so this what was deficient. long
1: about it like you sang every verse in the song or
0: yeah it was that and many songs and there was um like smells and bells right so there was um, a lot of ritualists and um, extra ritual aspects of okay. things and, and longer rituals because of feast days and i was fidgety i did not that's shocking to me really Yes. You I did. never said this to you.
1: Well, you're not fidgety. Well, and the word fidgety is, uh, I, maybe that's not the right like word move exactly. move along? Do you feel like it wasn't connecting to the heart of God in a way that you thought should be, and it was more just the rituals?
0: So. It was void? I guess in a certain sense, it would be like, because I didn't have the personality or the temperament to be able to be led into the ritual as a means of worship, I Found it like off putting. Like, can we just get through this? That makes a lot of sense, Tom. Versus if I could go to a charismatic prayer meeting and praise and worship, the expressiveness was more spontaneous. It was more, it was so easy to give myself over to that. So I, it was a really interesting thing because I would stop and say to myself, Am I really going to enjoy being a priest? If the priest's like central act is celebrating mass and the idea of getting, you know, getting vested and leading ritual prayers is something that I have a kind of uh antipathy towards.
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah. So like I said, it wasn't like a primary thing. Well, but it you, was,
1: do you think you would have experienced that if you were going to the seminary in the United States versus being... In Rome,
0: well, I was in the U.S. for two years. I remember it in the first two, like in my junior and senior year of college. And it was still ritualistic. In the minor seminary, it was yeah, definitely it was that too. So I, I don't know. It was I think when I say where did that come from? It was shunted human formation. The way that I was brought up in my home was very dutiful, work hard, um, and then I was focused a lot on sports and and stuff like that. I didn't have like an introduction to. Um, classical music to great works of art. I didn't have my sensibilities formed to like find life in those things. I think that's a generous response. Well, and I'm aware of that too with with regards to my kids. Like we're now in in these beautiful high masses with this incredible music and it just moves my soul. But I don't presume that it moves their souls. In fact, some of my kids, I'm like, they're just going to roll in their eyes and like, let's get this done. And I'm like, that's me. That's my that's my genetic inheritance right there. Oh, yeah, I, it's all you. It's all me, baby. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm like, hopefully it's sowing seeds and washing over them. And so for me, I, I, the, the two that I put down were praising, praise and worship and reading the Bible.
1: That's the um, two I
0: just said. Yeah. That's
1: so cool. We were
0: meant to <gasps> be. Oh. No wonder we ended up together. <laughs> but if I said the question was, what devotion— in what devotion do I experience the, or encounter the greatest transformation? It's adoration and yes. praying the rosary on Facebook because it's Good. a ministering prayer. It's like that's where the Lord actually changes. Nice. Changes lives. It's not fun, comfortable, easy, satisfying, or enjoyable at human levels often. But if you want to say, don't pay attention to the input, pay attention to the output. The fruit that's what changes lives. Well, Carrie, thanks for walking with me through this program. You're welcome. That was really neat. That was good. All right, folks. Thanks for being with me. Join me tomorrow for more sound insight. God bless. Oh, and I've got more questions to answer tomorrow, but different kinds of questions. All right. God bless your day.